Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fancy baseball podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. Now, today is just just me and uh, I almost called you George. It's just me and Zach today. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at BrafZ. Zach, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. It's good to be back. Yeah, we missed you on the last episode, and now now George is taking his uh, his leave. But you know Placing what? Placing them on the IL. Yeah, it's all right. These days, we could be the Dodgers of podcasts, man. We just there we go. We we manipulate it as we need. But uh, today's episode what sixteen already? We're kind of flying by. I think today's uh, yeah, today's episode sixteen, and it's going to be our buy low and sell high episode. We're going to talk a few names that we're looking to buy low on that we're selling high on. Thus, the <laughs> title of the episode. But. Before we jump on in, we're going to jump into a few uh, newts and, newts, news and notes and go from there. So the first topic we can, uh, we're going to discuss a little bit is uh, Carlos Martinez is back or about to be back and he's heading to the bullpen, which was to, it was to be expected. People knew that holding on to him, but I think people were hoping he'd have an outside chance at closing, which I still think he does, but with how well Hicks has looked – I'm just not as optimistic he's going to land that spot sooner than later. Yeah, I think we're probably going to see more of a, a high leverage role, kind of uh, Andrew Miller, Adovino-esque um, type guys. And yeah, it's, it's expected. Um, it's still kind of frustrating from the fantasy perspective. Like you said, we were kind of hoping to get him back as a starter to eat some innings or get some saves, but it just doesn't really seem like either of those is going to happen unless an injury to Hicks. And yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to even say if you would roster him at this point. I had him stashed in a few places, but if the league doesn't really count holds, then I, I, I don't see why you really need to hold on to him unless you're kind of just banking on Jordan Hicks going down at some point. And it also sounds like Alex Reyes might be in line for some starts down the road. They're they're stretching him out to be a starter down in the minors. So that kind of just leaves Carlos Martinez in kind of some fantasy limbo. So um, just beware that you may not be getting the value or expecting out of him. I would drop him in a lot of spots, but 
he has value still in some leagues, like mostly roto or category leagues where you're trying to bulk up your, you know, you're trying to help out your K rate, your, your ratios. I think he could help you out there for sure. Cause he did really well in that role last year. I expect, you know, so that, that type of role that I expect him to be solid, but again, yeah, he loses a lot of value if he's not going to gain some saves over the, uh, as a closer over there or anything. So. And he could be an innings guy. He could be like a like a hater guy where he's pitching two or three innings possibly. So he has some value there as well. But it's just I don't think it's what anybody truly expected. I think we were kind of hoping for some saves or some more innings. But well, see. you you kind of said it. I was about to say, it, but kind of just said it at the very end there. Expectations versus hope. I think people hoped he was going to land that that closer role, especially with how Hicks started the year struggling and then to turn around and now how well he's been doing people were just hoping that like, like i said the hope was there that he maybe would come back as a closer if he was a relief pitcher but now now the hope has turned into well let's hope he gets stretched out and turn to maybe start i think he could be a starter again by the second half as long as he has no setbacks but right now we do know that he's going to the to be a reliever and that's about all we know yeah, and just something kind of, to keep an eye on, but it's really, it's all health related. It just, it's concerning that he's still having shoulder issues and this, this is just going to linger on for years to come. It feels like, so beware. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But in other news we have, you know, judge, we talk I, kind of mean, me and George kind of discussed the, the news broke as we were podcasting last episode. So we kind of spoke on it, but it's beneficial. He has a, uh, an oblique strain and it's been referred to as pretty significant uh, by the coach and there's no real timetable. He's obviously somebody you have, he's a mustache. You don't drop him, but it's so frustrating. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm just, I, I'm stammering here cause I'm just so frustrated. I'm trying not to, you know, <laughs> curse basically. I'm just so, uh, <laughs> dude, cause it's, it's one thing after another. I, and I actually have no shares of judge. Not by design, just just the way it worked out. Just the way it worked out, not by design at all. But it's still, it's like I have I have a lot of Segura, a lot of Marte, and these are shorter term. But then you had a Trey Turner, Stanton, you know, like the list goes on and on. Clevenger, and uh, I just, it's just, it's aggravating, man. It's I know this happens every year, but I feel like this year it's been more frequent than than typical. Maybe I say that I feel like I say that every year as well, but I don't know, man. It's it's a part of the game. Guys get hurt. That's why you got to have depth. The Yankees, they have a lot of depth, but their depth is getting hurt now too. So it's yeah, it's been, it's been tough for them. Clint Frazier uh, went down the other day with the ankle injury. I think he went for an MRI today, and we're still waiting on results. But fingers crossed that that's nothing serious because he's been looking real good for the Yanks so far. Nice yeah. fill-in for Judge and Stanton. So. If you're one of those owners, or and Hicks, if you, which <laughs> there you go, the, the whole outfield. Uh, if you are one of those owners and Frazier's in available, even if you're not one of those owners, if Frazier's available in your league, you need to grab him. I think he's definitely a must-own guy, must must start at at the moment. This injury obviously makes it a little tougher. You can't obviously start him if he's hurt. But if he's on your waiver wire, grab him and and see where see how bad the injury is. If it's a my if it's a you know a minimum stay on the IL, he's still worth keeping. But Clint Frazier, another guy that you transitioned well into, by the way, is just just another guy who's 
add on to the Yankees IL and solid player. I think he's, I really do think he's must own right now, especially with all his injuries occurring because he's looked amazing. Another small, t- a smaller injury, I should say, not another small one, but another injury that's kind of just been, it hasn't really made sense to me was Rendon. Anthony Rendon got hit in the elbow and luckily it's just been a bone bruise or a bruise of sorts. And he's been out for the last few games. And the last thing I've seen is that they're just, they're kind of letting him rest, get better. He, they have an off day on Thursday and then Friday he should be back. So hopefully he gets, hopefully he's back. Hopefully they don't retroactive and put him on the IL, but it, all, all signs are pointing in a positive direction in regards to Rendon. So that's good. IL returns. We got some players back <laughs> with some, with all this bad news. Here's some good news. So we have uh, Daniel Murphy, who made his uh, debut tonight from the IL. Gary Sanchez, who has he played yet? <laughs> Today's his first day back. His first day back today as well. See, um, Snell, he started tonight. Eh, still, it wasn't great, but it's still encouraging. He's back. He only threw 65 pitches. I think most nights he would have stayed in. So I think it's just more or less a working his way back thing because, you know, he skipped the start. Uh, Fulty's coming back, Fultonevich for the Braves. So we have a lot of things to uh, be happy about, excited about as far as injuries go. It also sounds like Segura is probably in line to come back this weekend, which is a positive as well for a, a banged-up Phillies team right now. Definitely. I mean, I'm a Segura owner, so I'll take it. Trying to, I think there was one more. I just can't for some reason. Oh, Marte should be back soon too. Again, we have, like I said, we have some guys just now back, some guys coming back soon. Now, as far as a few guys, uh, Fulton to in order, uh, they, they're going to activate him. He's going to be coming back. What's going to happen to that? That rotation's a mess, man. It's really difficult to pinpoint who's going to be up when, who's going to be down. Tukey got sent down again. Yeah, there's just too many options. So Tukey was sent down. Kyle Wright was sent down uh, last week. Um, they need a spot starter for tomorrow. It sounds like either Sean Newcomb or Bryce Wilson could be getting that start. So that's something to keep an eye on. Soroka pitched today. Soroka's looked good so far. So he's probably solidified a spot in that rotation. But Fulty's coming back. So you got Fulty, you got Soroka, you got um, Gossman. And who am I missing here? Tehran, Tehran, Tehran. So that's four, and then probably it's either going to be a combination of Newcomb or Wilson or Tukey for that last spot. So we'll see who they call up tomorrow. But Fulty should be getting that spot back this weekend, and it'll be good to see him back. Hopefully, he uh, hopefully he's all right and healthy. Just put Tukey in the bullpen already. Make him one of those elite relief pitchers, and let's yeah. move on. That's really but, what they should do. I mean, either Tukey, Kyle Wright, they both have great stuff. Like just throw him in the pen especially if you're not going to sign Kimbrell. Yeah, that's a whole other discussion. Um, Murphy coming back, that that makes Hampson droppable again, doesn't it? <laughs> I definitely think so. I've seen Hampson uh, dropped in a bunch of leagues. I mean, McMahon figures to shift over to second, and Reynolds and Hampson are going to lose some playing time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you're starving for steals, I could see you grabbing him, but he's just not going to get the at-bats right now with Murph coming back. And we saw how how he just performed very poorly when he had part time role last time too. So, nope. I'm not I'm not interested either. I'm kind of with you. Nope. One one last little minor note. And I say minor because I have no interest in him. But Gio uh, Gio Gonzalez signed to the Brewers. Eh, very whatever. minor. <laughs> you, Fifteen teamer. 
NL only type of signing. Like NL only, the the bidding for this guy or the waiver. This is the type of guy that somebody's like you know so happy to get because NL only can be very deep, and he came from the AL to the NL, so he just now are quite you know became uh, eligible. So something like NL only fifteen teamer, fifteen team reliever. That's where you're gonna be looking for Geo. Otherwise, no real. He's not. I wouldn't put him as a mixed league guy yet. Now the exciting news, you can hear by how excited I am, which is halfway sarcastic. I'm actually really excited, but <laughs> Vlad Jr. is finally getting the call. Like we knew it was coming. They're they're doing it Friday. It's gonna be a packed house. But let's get to it, man. Let's discuss let's discuss Vlad a little bit. What exactly do you expect from him? Well, first of all, it's about freaking time. This is this is absolutely ridiculous that it's taken this long. He should have been up last year. Um service yeah. time, man. Service time. I, that's something that definitely needs to be changed with the next uh, CBA agreement. That's but, gonna that's gonna lead. I'm telling you, that's gonna be part of what leads to uh, a lock uh, a lost season. We're gonna, we're not gonna yeah, have baseball it's, in two years. It's possible. I can definitely but, see it happening. But anyway, yeah. Let, let me not. That's a, that's a whole. That's seriously like a whole podcast. That's a whole, <laughs> podcast. Another that's a whole other podcast in his own right. Yeah. yeah. But Vlad, I mean, I think he's just gonna come up and take the fantasy world by storm. Expect a lot of pop. Um, I mean, the main thing kind of holding him back, um, and this is kind of just in, in real life baseball as well, it's just the position. Is he going to be able to stay on the field as a third baseman? Are you looking at a full-time DH? Um, is it possible he moves to first base at some point? So it should be interesting to see how that plays out over the coming years. But, I mean, this guy, he's going to be put right in the middle of that lineup. He's going to contribute right away. Um, I think it's it's going to be amazing for fantasy. And if you were one of the guys that stashed him and, and picked him up in the draft, I mean, it's finally going to pay off. Um, this this is a very exciting oh, – well, Friday will be a very exciting day for, for Vlad and Vlad fantasy owners. I'm not sure I'm, I'm rooting for the home run, his first home run on Friday, or if I'm rooting for an 0 for 4 with 4K type of day. <laughs> Why would you root for that? I want one or the other because I want to see the overreaction on Twitter, the overreaction in the fantasy world. I love how reactionary this industry is. And you would see so many people concerned because he comes up the first day and has a terrible game. Or if he comes up and has a completely crazy, amazing game, you're going to see two complete opposite reactions and it's going to be hilarious. I really don't think there's much of a chance of a three or four strikeout game. His plate oh. discipline is too good. And I, I just, I, I, I think he's going to, I, I could see him going yard on Friday. I really I, could. Listen, I agree that his, I mean, it's a probable pitcher on Friday. Do we know? I'm going to look it up right now. But in the, in the meantime, while I look this up, I'm just looking at his, at his uh, minor league stuff. And dude, the guy literally at every level walked more than he struck out. That is absurd. You'd never see that. You never see somebody walk more than they, than they uh, strike out. And the probable pitcher, by the way, is Mike Fires. I was just going to say, Mike Fires with his 8.28 ERA, I think there's a good chance that we could see some, uh, some Vladdy bombs on Friday. I, I completely – dude, the guy has a legitimate batting eye. There's no denying it. He has legitimate power, and this ball will fly. And he plays in a great home park. With that said, I'm looking at every projection system – and the highest they have him is 18 home runs, 61 to 64 RBIs. They actually gave him four stolen bases for some reason. <laughs> He's not going to steal any bases. You'll be lucky to get two to four stolen bases for sure. But 
I think that's – and I'm not a Vlad guy, but you have five months left in the season, roughly. You're going to tell me he can't hit uh, five home runs a month? Really? To get him to 20? What did they they project? How many? 18? 18? 18. Yeah. He, I could see him going 25, at least 25. Right? Like You got to think, you have five months left in the season, right? You have what? May, June, July, August, September? That's five yeah. months. Projection systems, man. That's why we can't go by those. We go by reality. Uh, I think they're a good guide, but they're a tool, not a rule. And that's how I use that. Same thing with sabermetrics. People swear by them. I totally buy into them. I have buddies of mine that laugh at me for it, but they're a tool, not a rule. And there's the idea is for them to be predictive. And that's again, a whole nother thing. But regardless, we're looking at, I think five home runs a month is definitely reasonable to expect from him with his type of batting profile and, the only thing you got to think about is maybe they pitch around him a little more because they don't have to throw to him because his team isn't that good. So that's why maybe you have to temper your expectations on the home run total. But I think 20 to 25 is a solid safe yeah. uh, bet. I wonder where they're going to put him in that lineup. Third, fourth, fifth, right away. I think fifth or so right away probably. Yeah, uh, I could see five. That makes sense. He'll ease him into it, and then he'll be batting third after a week. Like, <laughs> yeah. But I think take the pressure off the kid, bat him fifth or sixth. Let everybody freak out and say, "Why is Why isn't he betting second? Because he's a twenty-year-old kid, and he and it's his first major league game. Don't put the kid in betting two or three. Realistically, I mean, but hey, but then again, look, they threw Alonzo in second, second the two hold from day one. So, yeah, I mean, you got Smoke Grichik. I mean, those are really the only major threats in that lineup. I mean, I. <laughs> so that's the problem and if so if they're gonna they're gonna surround vlad with those guys or they should and i no pitcher's gonna say i want to face vlad over those you're gonna have a lot of pitchers uh trying to really show him up really you know try to be like well let's see if he can really do this major league thing and when he starts proving people that he can then they're gonna start pitching around him well, the good thing about it though is he can take his walks. so if he has to walk he'll take his walks and set it up for somebody else behind him so but but right now, with this juice, because the ball is juiced, we I think almost everybody agrees on that. Home runs are at are literally on historic. Like you're getting home runs now, like the amount of home runs you're getting in April, uh, in March and April of this year, are the type of home runs you see in the summer months when the weather warms up. Imagine when the weather warms up, how many more home runs we're going to see. Yeah, it's absurd. So, I th- the reason why I'm saying the reason why I brought that up is because his skill set isn't that attractive anymore if you play i mean in a points league it is in a points league i definitely like him a lot more but in a roto league unless it's an obp league you're looking at a guy who only produces you're looking at a guy who produces power where power numbers are up across the board his home run his runs and rbis won't be that great because of his supporting cast and other than an average that would probably sit anywhere between 280 and 310 i'd say roughly honestly it's a big range but i don't see 280 i think i see 280 being his floor so still stud batting average and no steals that's the problem. Like, that's why I was really, and I still put him on my bus list, quote unquote, because I was just, I had him as a bus this season, mostly because I knew he was going to miss at least a month of the season. But then add into, now it's making me feel better because now you're, the, the stuff you're, the, the stuff you're getting from him, like I said, especially in roto leagues or category leagues are stats that are really easy to come by right now. Other than batting average, batting average is definitely a good boost, but take away the batting average. Like, one, one category is really all he's giving you something elite in. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I agree. Point points is definitely the format that I would really love to have him in. Or OBP, if OBP or OB, if OBP yeah. or, or OPS, like if you play in a six by six or something, or you play OBP instead of batting average, then yes, he's still. Well, no, that now you're just one greatness to another greatness. <laughs> it needs to be the the more categories a league has. If it has six or seven by seven, that's when he gains more value because he hits every category except for still steals. But because again. My big thing is just the power numbers aren't going to be something that you need from him because you, you're getting it from every – you picked up a Jock Peterson, you know what I mean? Like you're picking up guys that are doing this week in, week, uh, day, uh, day in, day out, week in, week out. And it's just – it's frustrating because I think he's going to be solid, but I think it's going to get – like right now you have J.D. Martinez ranked out the top – ranked outside the top 100 because that's basically what he is. Like he's going to be like a J.D. Martinez type. High average. Good comp. It's going to be a high average, a, a good amount of home runs, but how valuable is that in today's game right? And right now, in today's you know, with this ball, I'm just I'm thinking about like Arenado, like Aaron, same type of player, Arenado. I, I I think Vlad at the end of the season will be something like as far as similar, as far as that type of producer, but on a worse team, so the runs and RBIs aren't even going to be there. That's all. Like that's why like I'm tempering my expectations with them from a fantasy point of view, because. Right now, what he provides isn't really a huge need for most teams, fantasy-wise. Again, c- category. Again, this is strictly categories and uh, and roto leagues, not points leagues. Points leagues, he's like easily, <laughs> easily way more valuable. Yeah, I do agree. Well, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to it. We talked about him for about ten minutes now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just want to see the guy play already. Yeah, it's it's exciting. It's like enough. it's like Tatis Jr., but it's funny because like that shine came off Tatis Jr. and he's actually gotten better. So it's weird how that's worked. No, like I'm surprised you're not hearing more people really like, oh my god, how good he's been because he's been so solid, so like really, really good, and you're not you're not really hearing anything about the guy anymore. Yeah, also has to do because he's playing out on the West Coast, and a lot of people probably aren't watching him play as much as we'd like. But yeah, That's you really smaller. aren't you aren't hearing as much about him as as you would think. A smaller market team in the Padres, but man, I mean, I like the Padres. They're exciting. But anyway, um, we can move on to what people probably want to listen to is the sell high, buy low part. So now sell high is a guy that just for people that might not be familiar, it's just a guy that is we like most people believe or a lot of people think are, are uh, overproducing at the moment or even if they're not overproducing, maybe they're having a breakout, you're still selling them at their highest peak value and the idea is to get somebody in return that is gonna really make it worth it you don't want to just you don't just sell high to sell high you make sure you take your 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 hot start guy and you go out and get a a, a solid player with him or you pair him to really go get one of those top two round guys now on the buy lows you could take some essentially take these guys on the sell high list and apply it to the buy lows because a buy low is a guy that is underperforming that things, you know, maybe his underlying metrics or things in general suggest better uh, going forward and, or maybe just a better track record. And you just, th- and now's a good time to just try to make an offer for him because the owner that has him is likely off. If, if it's a stud, a struggling stud, especially the owner is likely struggling to start the year and might be panicking because people are very, rea- again, it goes back to my, my love for this reactionary fantasy community as a whole. And these are the type of people you have to aim for. 
myself, George, Zach, we don't play. Most of us, I shouldn't say we don't play in leagues, but we aren't fortunate enough. People don't like, I guess people, especially now that we put out content, people are really, they, at least for me, they think twice before they get, do trades with me. I have a hard time making trades in my leagues now. <laughs> it's really aggravating. Or they listen to my shows and see what I think about a certain player, and then they take my, they'll take my advice and use it against me, which is great. That's fine. Yeah. Everybody sees your tweets and listens to the podcast, so they know exactly the type of guys you're going after and the deals that you're trying to make. So it's, and I'm gonna, it's more difficult for sure. And it's part of the fun because honestly, when people take my advice and it's actually and it works out for them, all I did was gain. All I did was gain a follower, gain a listener. That's fine. If they take my advice, it doesn't work out, which has happened already, <laughs> I'm sure. But it's it's part of it, man. I'm not going to be right all the time, but I will be right more times than I'm not, and I promise that. I think people took your advice in our listeners league. And that's hurt. why I'm, that's why I'm in that for another discussion. <laughs> I mean, I, listen real quick. I'm 13th in that league. And if I take a pic, and I think I've sent you pictures, like literally every other league I'm in, in Yahoo, I'm in top, I'm top three in my, in the, in the rankings, just to give you an idea of what I'm just struggling in that one league. So <laughs> regardless, and I'm still set, I'm setting a lineup every day. I just, my, I for, it's not daily waivers, so I forget that I can add players instantly. So I go to add a player, and they're already gone. So that happens a lot, too. It's a 15-team league also. There's not much out there on the waiver wire. so oh, There's always something. Uh, slim pickings <laughs> out there, though. Yeah. Regardless. All right. So if we still have our listeners with us, let's jump into this. So uh, who is, who's your first? Oh, yeah. Who's your who's Do you want to do sell high or buy low first? I don't care. Just. Whatever you want, man. I'll leave it up to you. You want to sell high or you want to buy low first? So we'll start with sell high first. All right, um, cool. So one guy that's off to a fantastic start is Trey Mancini of the Orioles. Um, so right now, so he's hitting 340, 396 OBP, 620 slugging. He's got six home runs, 14 ribbies. I mean, he's he's off to a fantastic start. It's already looking like this is going to be a breakout year for him. Some more advanced stats. He's above average in, in his walk rate, hard hit percentage. Uh, he's among the highest in the league in weighted on base percentage. These stats, they do seem like they're pretty sustainable. It should be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, this Baltimore lineup is one of your weaker lineups throughout the league. We're really not expecting much. But, I mean, this guy is, is becoming the face of this franchise. And he... Um, I mean, they're expecting a lot out of this guy. He was a big-time prospect coming up. And it, it should be interesting to see how he does the rest of the season. But, I mean, these numbers so far are pretty amazing. Like I said, 340 average. He's, he's showing a lot of pop. He's hitting the ball extremely hard. And, yeah, it, it should be interesting to see what happens. Um, if you're talking about selling high on this guy, I mean, now would be a great time to do that. Um, if you're looking at some possible trade targets, I mean, there's some guys that have had slower starts that you might be able to package Mancini with um, with a pitcher. Um, I mean, there's guys that we've seen him traded for in Yahoo leagues right now, like Chris Bryant, who's off to a slow start, who we'll be talking about in a little bit. Juan Soto, who is kind of picking it up as of late. Um, but if you package Mancini with a guy who might be off to a hot start, let's say maybe like a Matt Boyd or um, even a Joe Musgrove or something for a talent like Chris Bryant or Soto, who you figure will turn it around at some point. Like I said, we're, we're only three, four weeks into the season. Um, if you can package Mancini with a pitcher or so to get one of those guys, it's a great value. Um, you don't 
figure that Mancini's going to sustain 340, almost a 400 OB, 340 average, 400 OBP. Those really aren't sustainable. But I mean, if he could finish the year around 280, 290 average with a uh, 350, 360 OBP, I mean, for somebody that was most likely picked up on the waiver wire, um, that's a great, that's a great get. And if you can sell them off now for some strong value for somebody that started slow, um, I don't see why you wouldn't do that right now. Yeah, and if you can't sell him, just ride it out. But there are some interesting things going on with him. His launch angle is actually doubled from last year, essentially, from 5.4 to 10.4. His barrel percent, his barrel rate, his barrel rate's still the same. His exit velocity's still the same. Hard hit rate is up across the board. His is barely up, only 0.7 difference from last year. But he, I guess he's always hit the ball pretty hard. It's over 42%. And what's good about him is he, he really doesn't strike out a ton. I mean, he's right at the league average, and he's walking a fair amount. He's walking so, more. He's actually walking more. That was, that was the next thing I was gonna bring up is that he, he's walking more. His swing strike is down. His O swing is down. Like some some there's underlying me- metrics that are supporting what he's doing right now. But his expected batting average, you mentioned two ninety two eighty. His expecting batting average right now is two ninety two. So there is obviously some luck in his favor, and things are going to, you know, regress. I mean, heck, the guy has a 394 BABIP. He has a career a career BABIP of a 323. And last year was 285. So, again, there's going to be regression coming his way for sure. He's not going to sustain that high of a BABIP. And like you said, though, if, if you can't deal him, which a lot of people might be skeptical of Mancini right now, ride him out. I have him in a few spots, and I'm enjoying the production that I'm getting right now. Really am. I have none, so I'm not enjoying any of it. So I'm just bitter and saying, get, I'm saying sell them. No, but uh, in all seriousness, again, yeah. you Again, sell high, you don't just sell to sell. You get something of value for it or you hold it, you hold on, ride till the wheels fall off and then drop them when he gets terrible again. Yep. <laughs> and it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice piece in fantasy. He, he's got first base eligibility, outfield eligibility. So he offers you some flexibility there. But... If you can get a good package in return, I would go for it. But if not, I mean, we think that it's sustainable. Obviously not to the extent that he's going at right now, but we expect this to be a really good year for Mancini. Yeah, I'm I'm on board. My first sell high is none other than Mr. Tim Anderson. So right now he has 16 runs, 4 home runs, and 14 RBIs with 9 steals, a triple slash of 395, 418, and 605. He's on absolute tear right now. And if you have him, I think he's like a top five player in Roto. He is an absolute darling because <laughs> of the steal, the power-speed combination. And he's not dragging down your batting average. Unfortunately, all good things must come to an end, and I think his is going to. A few things that really stand out to me as far as uh, negatives, the reason why I think there's going to be some regression. Obviously, first of all, 395 batting average for Tim Anderson is – I think he has a career batting average. I'm actually looking at it right now. He has a career batting average of 264. <laughs> so, and right now, if you, like I said, a few things that stand out are his, uh, his walk rate is only 2.5%, which is really, really low. His BABIP is astronomically high at 456. Again, a career high of 332 actually on BABIP. His speed does play, so his BABIP usually sustains around 330, which, so again, there's going to be regression, but it's, his Bible is going to still be a pretty solid one. And also, his, right now he has an OBP of 418. 
the guy has a career OBP of 292 because, again, it goes back to his walk rate. His walks are usually pretty low. His K rate is down at the moment at 19%, and for him that's really low because he has a career K rate of 25.7%. But Tim Anderson is a guy that he always gives you about 250 to 260 batting average, 20 home runs, and 20 steals. He is already halfway there on the steel, the steel, mount, steel total. So if you really need steals, hold on to him. But people can see these stats, see the gaudy numbers, the juice ball, guys with speed gain a little value now because these 10 to 15 home run guys turn into 20 to 25 home run guys probably. So we're looking at a guy with 20, 30 upside. With his, his, again, his at-bang average will drop down to 260-ish. But you got to go ahead and you got to sell high on him, man. I mean, he's not going to stay top five. You'll be lucky if he's top 50. What keeps him relevant are the steals. But right now, I'm try- I mean, it's hard to think who you can get for him, but he's one of those guys that you pair. Maybe you go to somebody with the – maybe you go to the Trey Turner owner. Turner's been out. He's going to be out for another three weeks. Maybe you try to pair Anderson with something else and go after a Trey Turner. I'm not saying you're going to get it done, but you got to – I mean, it doesn't have to go for it because you know what Trey Turner is when he comes back. And just somebody like that, you just – you there's – there's I mean, again, there's – there's a few other things, a few other underlying, underlying metrics that suggest, suggest regression as well. But I, it's just a hot start. He'll cool down, and you won't regret selling high if you have the chance to. I, and I actually have Tim Anderson in a few leagues, and I haven't. And the reason, a big reason why I'm holding on to him is because of the steals. But if I had somebody coming my way for him, I would definitely entertain the idea for sure. And I'm honestly, I might go out and try to shop him a little bit. Next couple of days, I just haven't had time lately, honestly. Yeah, I mean, depending on league format, um, I mean, some guys that have been traded for Tim Anderson, guys like Anthony Rizzo, um, don't know how I feel about that one. I, I I would probably prefer Rizzo. I don't know if most people would, would actually do that. I would take Rizzo. I would still take Rizzo. I would take Rizzo too. But it's funny because we're going to talk about – I'm going to talk about Rizzo a little bit later. I know you're not a Rizzo guy. I am, but he may – a little bit of a spoiler, he may have made somebody's uh, buy low. But anyways, go – yeah, I would still ta- I would still take Rizzo over him. In yeah, the back, I, in the back. I, I think Rizzo has the proven track record. I mean, Anderson, he's off to a hot start, but I definitely think there's regression in there. I mean, he's a top prospect guy, but this is just kind of out of the norm for him. Um, I expect him to come back down to earth. The White Sox are playing good baseball right now, but that's probably not going to continue the whole season. It's probably going to be a rough summer for them. But, yeah, I mean, steals is a big part of his game. And if you need steals, I mean, he's he's a good get. But, I mean, how many – I guess you could see him swiping 30 bags. Easily 30 at this point. I mean, he already has nine, and it's not even May yet. So – the main statistic that you got to be concerned about with Anderson is his bat flip rate. And that's, 100%. Oh yeah. <laughs> Whatever, man. On that note alone, I might just keep them because it's let the kids play. Yeah. But uh, we'll move on from Anderson. I'm just going to jump into my next guy. I'll let you go next, but I'm going to just jump into him because I'm looking at his numbers and I'm just, I, I, it's Alex Gordon of the Royals. I don't understand what's going on here. I, I don't, I'm not buying it. He is, and he's a 35 year old that's having such a hot start. People are starting to buy in again. And he's a guy you ride, but if you can flip him for anything, get yourself a, like a, 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 a closer or something, just sell him. He's not who you think he is. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm really, 
I just look at him. He has uh, 15 runs, five home runs, 21 RBIs, a triple slash of 311, 396, and 578. He is showing better plate discipline when you look at the metrics, like compared to last year. So the metrics are suggesting maybe some of that OBP is real. But his expected batting average, when you look at baseball savant, is only 265. And his launch angle is down. So the fact that his five balls have increased and his line drive rate has decreased is a little odd to me. You would, I would usually typically think the, the, the opposite when someone drops their launch angle. So, and it's under 10%. So it's like, it's not like, it's not like it's still in 15% range. It's, it's lower now where you should get more line drives, but regardless, I'm just, I'm not buying it, man. And again, the fact that his expecting batting average is 60 points lower almost, you know, there's like, that just suggests some of the luck he's had and there's worse things ahead for him. And if you can take him, cause right now he's ranked in the top 50, you could take him and flip him for something or take him and pair. Again, Adam is a throw-in to a trade to help make it look better on paper. I would do that, and I wouldn't even think twice. But, again, it goes back to people being so reactionary and people being so, like – People just, need to be patient. And, pe- and, and people aren't. And I bet no. you, if you look it up, you'll see that he's probably being traded right now for maybe a middling, like, you know, like a – maybe before this last start, maybe they're Kyle Hendricks, which that doesn't sound like a very flashy trade, but in a points league, I'll take Kyle Hendricks all day or in a quality starts league. I'm okay with that. And that's the kind of trade, like you go get that like SP three for your team, bolster up part of your team that really needs help because he's going to, I feel like every year we have this discussion with Alex Gordon and I feel like Gordon can like every year has a week, a couple, two weeks to like a month hot stretch and then just dies off again. Yeah. So I feel like he's just having it to start the year. Some of these things suggest, you know, regression coming. And it's one of those, like, take what you can get for, man. If you can get a struggling middle-tier pitcher, I'm okay with that. Somebody that you believed in coming into the year that's having a slow start. Because what pitcher isn't having a slow start, it feels like, other than Joe Musgrove. And and Shane Bieber even had a bad outing the other day. So now there goes my Shane Bieber and Joe Musgrove love. I just said now it's just that's all Musgrove. Musgrove or die, man. But uh, in all seriousness, so there's not much more to say about that. We can move on, but. I just again, if you can, wherever you can get for him, just take it, take it and run. <laughs> take the money and run. Don't even look back, man. Don't look back. Yeah. All right, so I'll jump into my next guy here. My next guy is Fernando Tatis Jr. You're Remember gonna get, you're gonna get a lot of flack on that one. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I am I'm a very big fan, big supporter of Tatis. I have him in a few dynasty leagues, and I mean, I'm I'm definitely gonna hold on to him in a lot of my leagues, but I would definitely also explore the trade market and see what I can get for him at this point. I mean, right now he's batting 299, 361 OBP, 586 slugging. The guy's already got six home runs, 13 RBIs. He's stealing a lot of bases. He got five stolen bases already. I don't think anybody, I mean, we all knew that he had above average speed, but it's great to see him running so much this early on. And it's also great that they moved him into the leadoff spot. Um, I think they were originally batting him like sixth or seventh, but enough with the enough with those games. Move him up to the top of the order where he belongs. He's getting on base. He's providing a spark to that offense. Um, big boost for guys like Will Myers, Machado, Hosmer. Um, he's really been a presence in that lineup. Um, it's a sexy name. It's somebody that you should consider exploring the trade market with. Guys that we see traded 
straight up for Tatis are guys, names like Luis Castillo, Mitch Haniger, Shane Bieber, Michael Brantley. I personally don't know if I'd rather have any of those names. It really, like we said, it, de- it depends on your league format. It depends on what style of league you're in. It's something to consider. We've also seen a few package deals, um, a few interesting trades we saw involving Tatis. One was J.D. Martinez and Fernando Tatis for Mike Trout. I would definitely prefer the Trout side, but it's just showing you that deals like that have been made out there. Obviously, it depends the type of guys you're playing with. <laughs> yeah. Um, but another interesting deal, like I, I would prefer, you guys all know, my love for Trevor's story of the Rockies. Um, what about packaging a guy like Tatis and a pitcher, like maybe a Joe Musgrove type guy for Trevor's story? I think Tatis is definitely going to hit some regression. There's going to be some rough stretches for him along the way. Um, I think you're, you would get a more productive player in Trevor's story who's looking like a, a 30-30 guy, if not even more. Um, I mean, Tatis is trending towards those numbers, but I could see him hitting a wall at some point this season. Um, so it's something to explore. He's off to a great start, but there's definitely other owners in your league that would be willing to probably pay the price for Tatis. And they might even offer up a, a big-name guy, such as a, a struggling big-name guy, such as like a Chris Bryant or a Chris Sale right now. You never know. Um, so it's worth exploring, I think, for Tatis. I was going to say, because you just love Story, but that offer that you threw out there should never happen because Story hasn't been that bad. That's the problem. Story's actually been good. But regardless. It depends, though, also, if you're – look, let's say this is a dynasty league. Tatis obviously has a little bit more value, um, although Story is still young as well. And, has, um, and plays at cores for now. Yeah, plays at cores, and he's got the stolen bases and the power on his side. So it, it depends who you would package him with. But Tatis you have to come with could bring you back some attractive names if you package him with somebody. I wouldn't even be surprised if you go out there and you look at, like, Freeman and his numbers aren't, you know, haven't really gotten going yet as far as the power department. Like a Freddie Freeman, maybe a Tatis for a Freddie Freeman. I guess he's something like that happening because I think Tatis is actually ranked above him right now. And a lot of people look at rankings. People love rankings for whatever reason. And it's so early. It's, I mean, at what point is a sample size not a sample size anymore? I think for me, the earliest date I look at is May 1st, which is coming up. But a lot of times I look at, I wait till Memorial Day to really start diving into stuff to see. But regardless, Tatis, he's a great sell high. I think he's solid. So again, don't just settle. You make sure you go get a stud for him. But I'm going to go my next, my, my final sell high here. I'm going to jump right in because it's kind of around that. It just reminds me that this guy had the same hype. He's finally coming around a little bit on it. And I think there is some legitimacy to it. It's, uh, but my guy is Yohan Mankata. Power speed combos there. He's improved his uh, K rate. It's gone down. Basically, it's gone down almost just short of 10% from last year. His walk rate actually went down, which is, which is odd, but, you know, he's, he has a triple slash of 322, 371, or six, and 611. Well, that was before tonight. I think it went down to last – I think on Baseball Savant, who keeps it up to date, his batting average is actually – where is it? Oh, now it's 309. Sorry. Regardless, 
he's having a heck of a start, and there are some really encouraging factors. I mean, you have his expected batting average at 303, so it's right on par. Expected slugging is 629, which is basically – it's actually higher than his 585 slugging, which suggests that he's missing out on some you know some bigger hits. Maybe some double should be home runs is what they're suggesting. His exit velocity is up 5.1%. Or miles per hour, sorry. His launch angle is at 12.5, which is about the same as 2017. Hard hit rate is up, which is normal across the board. Across the league, his hard hit rate is up, I've noticed, for pretty much every player you look at. And some of his underlying metrics, he's making more contact. He has less swinging strike in his game, swinging strikes right now in his game. And I think, again, I think he's finally putting it together and having a solid year. But with that said, you take his name, you take the early production, you might be able to put that together and really score yourself a, a really good get with, with him just with, again, just with his name because Mankato, what, was a top five round pick last year, I think, like fifth round or so because everybody was hoping for the upside, hoping that he would finally come around. And now he, was, he fell in drafts and he's, gave you, he's given you great value. He's a top ten guy in formats, I believe, at the moment or close to it. Top 20, top 20 at least. And uh, regardless, right now, if you told me I could get – if I, I could take him and go get a struggling a struggling stud or a bigger name, I think I'd go do it. And I know you're a Moncada guy, so it might be harder for you, but I have no problem taking him and more or less turning him into somebody that – let's see, I'm trying to find some names here. So some names that he was oh. dealt for. I'm seeing, there you go. I'm seeing Chris Bryant – as a potential buyer. Um, that's intriguing. Obviously the slow start for Chris Bryant, but um, you know what you're kind of getting with Chris Bryant when he's in his peak form. Um, Mankato, it's still very much in question if this is sustainable. Other guys I'm seeing that Mankato was packaged with to get, guys like George Springer, Carlos Correa, Chris Bryant. Um, people love selling it. People are just, I don't like, is Cray have doing Brian? They're really <laughs> Brian. Brian, I can almost understand a little more because I mean, he's not doing that bad. 269, four homers, 12 RBIs. So. He hit a home run tonight, I think, too. So I don't know if that one counts towards that total. Probably not. No, but regardless, that's my point. Like, like what, what do people, like, people need to stop? Like, see, this is so reactionary. Got to take advantage of it. So, I don't know, man. If I could take Makata and get myself a Bryant or Correa out of the deal, I would definitely be definitely be interested in that. And, or, I mean, Jose Ramirez, why not? People are really worried about him. He's a huge topic of discussion. And if you can go out and land yourself a Jose Ramirez, like package Moncada and go get a Jose Ramirez, I would. Yeah, I think I definitely would too. It should be interesting to see where Moncada ends up this season. I mean, he's got the pedigree of a top 50 player, probably even higher than that. Honestly, maybe top 30, top 25 type guy. should be interesting to see where he ends up and if he can sustain this. But, I mean, if somebody is willing to offer up a guy like Ramirez, Chris Bryant, Correa, I would definitely not hesitate for that at all. And we're not saying necessarily straight up. If you get one of those straight up, that's awesome. But a lot of times you're going to have to package Makata to go get him. But that's the type of guy you have to aim for. Otherwise, you're not really gaining on Makata's hot yeah. start and you're not gaining on his name. Now, 
enough about Moncada. Again, I know you're a Moncada guy, so to hear you agree with me even a little bit was interesting. But uh, we'll, we'll let you go ahead and jump into your next guy. So my next guy is Clint Frazier of the Yanks. And obviously there's some serious questions right now with Frazier with his injury. But before the injury, I mean, he stepped right in. This is obviously a team that's hurting with, with Judge and Stanton and Sanchez and pretty much every single player on their Hicks. team. Hicks. <laughs> Hicks, uh, Didi, Andujar, um, pretty much everybody's out. So they needed somebody to step up, and Frazier has been that guy. He's looked amazing. We talked about this in one of our first episodes that we, me and you both thought that if Clint Frazier got the opportunity, he would definitely take advantage of it. And I think we were right, my friend, because he, he's got six home runs right now, 17 RBIs. He's batting 324, which is very impressive. Um, 342 OBP. I would like to see that a little bit higher. Um, he probably needs to work on taking some, some walks a little bit more. Um, his walk rate is a little bit lower than your league average. Um, but he is hitting the ball hard. His barrel percentage is um, is nearly double the league average. <laughs> the guy hits the ball hard. His exit velo is above league average as well. His launch angle is right up there. Um, hard hit rate, like you said. I mean, everybody's hitting the ball hard right now. But Clint Frazier, my God, when he makes contact, you hear that thing from a mile away. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really hope that this injury is nothing serious because they need him in the lineup. And fantasy-wise, I mean, he, he's contributing all around the diamond. And, yeah, he's another guy that – the main thing is playing time. Stanton should be back sooner than later. Judge, I mean, you're looking at a possible lengthy absence. So if Frazier could stay healthy, I think he'll definitely be on the field. But – Let's say Judge did not get hurt and Stanton and Judge are back. Where does he play? He's not a center fielder. DH, you might have Voight possibly. I mean, the playing time is definitely a question. So I think this is a perfect time to sell high on this guy. Some guys that you might be able to get in return. Uh, let's take a look and see. Luis Castillo is a name that's intriguing. Jack Flaherty is a name that's intriguing. I mean, if guys are willing to offer up these types of players, you got to take that. This is a guy that you just picked off waivers probably a week or two ago. Um, I know, Mike, you dropped him in our league, and I scooped Shut him up, and, I, and I'm very happy about that. So thank you for doing that. He got off to a slow start, and I was just like – I was being – that's the problem with me. I'm very aggressive on the waivers, and there's times where, uh, there's times where I, do, I do mess up and do I do a drop a Frazier type. But a lot of times it works out for me because, like – I can't see who I picked up for him. I don't even want to go look for it right now. I'm sure it wasn't worth it this time. But regardless, that was definitely a, a mess up on my half behalf. I'm not, I'm not very happy about it. But to your defense, I think it was, um, I think it was like a few days before he really broke out. It was exactly what it was. He was like wow. he was he was hitting like 200 when I dropped him. I was like, all right, well, I can pick him back up if I need to. I actually tried putting in claim form, but because I dropped him, I couldn't. That's what happened. Like we said, though, it, it's a sexy name. It's a big-time prospect who's finally living up to expectations. Some guys might be willing to pay top-notch price for it. If you can get a return like a Luis Castillo, Jack Flaherty, if you can get a guy, like we said earlier, a struggling Chris Bryant, I mean, if that owner is panicking, 
by all means, go for it. A Marcelo Zuna type guy, I think I'd rather have Frazier than Ozuna. Um, Ozuna's look great, man. I don't know. He's looked, he's looked great, but I just don't trust Ozuna's health either. But anyway, Frazier, if you have him, it's definitely worth exploring the market, especially with his injury now and the possible lack of playing time in the near future. So, yeah, but Frazier has looked fantastic early on, and I really hope that he continues to get the playing time because he he deserves it. Or he'll just get traded, which is fine, just like Domingo Santana, you know what I mean? Like, give him an opportunity, he'll play. But it's funny because the Flaherty trade, because I'm guessing you're looking up Yahoo leagues where you saw some of these trades. Yeah. That was my my league did that. I'm not exaggerating. I can show you the picture. <laughs> That's your trade? <laughs> no, no, I wish. I in wish. your league, though? It was in my league, yeah. It happened. So what, it was Clint Frazier, Hunter Dozier, and Ozuna for Castillo and Flaherty? Oh, no, differently. No, no, no. This was a – in my league, it was straight up. Straight up. Clint Frazier for Flaherty. I called the guy an idiot, and he didn't like that too much. But <laughs> I was like, dude, you're just wrong. He didn't want to hear that. Whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm out there to babysit, man. Trades don't get vetoed. It was a bad trade. He, he's, he's, he was wrong. But maybe he, maybe he knows something I don't know. Maybe those were the those were the uh, sell highs. Just to recap, who were your three? So I had Trey Mancini, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Clint Frazier. And my three sell highs were Tim Anderson, Alex Gordon, and Yoan Moncada. Now we're gonna go ahead and transition over to buy lows. I'm gonna just go ahead and kick it off with uh, we actually have a joint buy low but with different levels of um, optimism. So we're going to save that one for last, guys. So I'm going to start, but before we get into that, I'm going to go ahead and start with uh, Anthony Rizzo. He's a buy low for me, and a lot of it just goes back to his skills being kind of on par with what he, his underlying metrics being on par with what you should expect. His walk rate is still a stellar 14.9%. His carry rate is, a, is slightly increased, but for, for his, you know, for him, but it's still 17%, which is still solid. He has a 200 batting average, but that comes with a 362 OBP and a 413 slugging. The fact that his OBP is 362 and his batting average is 200, something's going to fix there. His BABIP is also only 200. He has a career BABIP of 285. So BABIP is low, which is leading to the low batting average. That's going to fix. I mean, his hard hit rate, again, it's, it's great and it's up. His medium, his medium contact is up. His soft contact is down. Perfect. The pro- some of the issues for him, I guess his line drive rate has come down a little bit. His ground ball rate has increased. That'll fix itself. And the five ball percentage is roughly the same. If people, people might forget that Rizzo struggled this time last year. Hit through, Mar- through March and April combined, because they count that as one month essentially. Through March and April combined, Anthony Rizzo had a K rate of 17.6%. Well, hello, it's 17% now, so it's pretty much the same. He actually had a 149 batting average, so it was even worse. And then starting in May, his K rate never went below – or sorry, his K rate never went above 13.8%. He never hit in any month lower than 270 for batting average. Just just reminds you that last year he had a similarly slow start. It was actually worse. And then the rest of the year he was Anthony Rizzo. He was who he thought he was. And I, I'm pretty much saying that I think that's pretty much I think that's the case now. I think he's going to be who we think he is. He has some bad luck his way. Like I, like I said, I expect better days ahead. I expect better things going forward from Anthony Rizzo. 
he's a great buy low guy, and I think you can get him relatively cheap considering, I mean, he's ranked outside the top 100, so that always helps your case. And I would definitely recommend going out and getting him, especially if you need for space help, which, I mean, I feel like the position still needs it, still needs help, so. Yeah, it's one of the weaker positions. Um, yeah, I mean, Rizzo, he kind of, I feel like this is a consistent thing where he starts slow. It's happened the past few years, like you said. But I think ultimately you can expect your 30 home runs, 100 RBIs. I think the average isn't as high as you would like, but... Yeah, 272, 280 roughly. If if everything continues like last year, that he just comes up like it should. Yeah, I mean he's he's more of a strong second half kind of guy. Um, so you you figure that he'll kind of turn things around. That whole Cubs team um, really could turn it around. <laughs> but yeah, Rizzo is a good person to definitely target right now. If you want to stick to the Cubs theme, you've mentioned him a few times. You can yeah. just jump right. You can just jump right into your buy low guy. I was going to say, uh, it's a good transition. So another buy low guy uh, is Chris Bryant. Obviously, he's struggling right now. It's a, a big concern for a lot of fantasy players, as you could see uh, by some of the trades that we were throwing out before. A lot of people are really panicking on this guy. He's got a 221 average right now, 341 on base. 341 on base, 351 slugging, which is not good. Um, the on-base percentage is is respectable. He's still walking at an extremely good rate, so that is helping. But, I mean, the power department, there's just there's just nothing right now. Um, his hard, hard, hard hit rate is the lowest of his career right now. Um, his, his BABIP is the lowest of his career as well. He's got an extremely low hard hit rate, like I mentioned already. Um, you got to think, I mean, is he 100% healthy at this point? That I don't know, but if he is, which I mean, if he's still playing right now, you would think that he's capable of um, everything that he's produced in the past. I mean, you would think that he is capable of putting up the numbers that he has in the past. You you would think that 30 home runs is expected. 90 RBIs is expected. Um it's a perfect time to buy low on this guy because so many people are panicking on him and are they're, they're just freaking out. <laughs> like, is this the guy that I drafted in what second, third round? Um, he's not producing those numbers right now. And if you can, if you could trade a guy who's hot right now, like guys like that, we mentioned earlier, like guys like Trey Mancini, Clint Frazier, somebody who's willing to take on one of those guys who does not have the track record of a Chris Bryant. You got to do it. Um, it's definitely somebody that I would, I would target. I, I, it's somebody that I'm going to actively pursue in a few of my leagues that I could use some offensive help in because I think that he's going to turn it around the Cubs team right now. Their offense is a little slow. It's happened the past two years. I think they're going to come around second half, if not in the next month or so. So it's somebody to definitely keep an eye on, but a lot of owners are panicking on this guy. So if one of those owners is in your league, you should take advantage of it. Can't really, go, can't really go wrong with Chris Bryant. I'm a believer. I still think he's fine, too. I mean, you haven't heard of any setbacks. You haven't heard of any issues. His on-base percentage is still solid. Stuff like that. It's just he's seen the ball well. The underlying metrics suggest as much. His, his medium contact, it's weird, though, because 
I think the I think Harvard's problem is his medium contact has gone up and his his soft contact's gone down. But I guess what you'd like to see is if your medium if your medium contact is so high, he needs to hit more line drives to at least that way with his batting average because batting his line drive rate's lower than last year. So if he fixed that, you would get more base hits essentially instead of because his hard hit rate isn't terribly down from last year. It's still down. It's only down two percent. Which is which is promising, and the medium contact's one that's really up, and the soft contact's really down. So the medium contact might be leading to a lot of hard outs, like ground outs, line outs. So if you can get some of those balls elevated more, then you'd be looking at better production, I think. Yeah, it could be a luck factor. I mean, he's he's hitting the ball hard, just he's hitting at two guys. Um, the shift could be in play for him as well. Um, so we'll see. Do you want to just jump into your next uh, next buy low opportunity guy? The next guy that I have is uh, Nick Castellanos of the Tigers. Another guy, I feel like he profiles very similar to Chris Bryant. He's struggling right now. It's a lot of, um, I think it relates a lot to the luck factor that we were discussing. He's hitting the ball hard. Um, he's hitting the ball at the, high, the hardest high, excuse me, the hard hit rate is the highest of his career after a career year last year. Um, he's already topped that, but he's already, he's only got five RBIs right now. He's got no pop. He hasn't hit any homers yet. Um, 247 average, 311 on base, 370. It's really nothing um, too exciting as of right now. Something that I think will be interesting for this guy in the coming months is I think this is probably the Tigers, one of the most attractive trade pieces for them. And I can definitely see this guy being moved to a contending team midseason. And I think the change of scenery definitely could help. Obviously, Detroit, we do not really expect them to be in contention um, for the rest of the year. So maybe being traded to a contender will help that. But like I said, his uh, his hard hit rate is is nearly ten percent higher than the league average. His barrel percentage is double league average. So he's hitting the ball hard. He's just really getting unlucky, and he's hitting it right to guys. He's still walking a fair amount, um, slightly below league average, striking out a little bit more than we would like to see right now. Um, but overall, I mean, the numbers are still there uh, metric wise. He just hasn't hasn't been getting the results that we would like to see. So you would think luck would be a factor in there. So hopefully in the coming weeks that kind of turns around. He's already kind of started to turn it around um, the past week or so. Um, he had a nice three for four game the other day. Um, so we'll see what happens with Castellanos. But I do think that a trade midseason is is definitely likely, and I think that could also help him in the long run um, for this season. Yeah, because I'm just I was looking at some of the same data. You are the barrel rate being higher than last year, the exit, the exit velocity being higher than last year, the hard hit rate being higher than last year. It doesn't add up to, and the fact that he had what um, I can't see where his home runs from last year, 23. Why is he why he has none right now is a little odd to me. I think you know those numbers being higher than last year, you would think some home runs would follow, and none have yet. So I think part of it I did look. Part of it might be his pull rate. His pull rate is he's down. He's he's pulling the ball a little less, putting the ball to center field ten percent more of the time. Opposite field, six percent uh, less. So he's more or less putting the ball back up the middle a lot. Maybe so. 
I, I mean, his – I don't know how opposite field – sometimes he, some home runs come a little easier opposite field. Maybe he's hitting a lot – maybe he's hitting more doubles or something. I don't know, or just more shots up the middle. But a lot of their stuff kind of falls in line. Line drive rate's a little down. Fly ball rate's a little up. Ground ball rate's the same. So, I expect better things going forward as well from Castellanos. I'm not too concerned. A lot of, like, just reiterating your point of Castellanos being uh, – kind of his metrics being in line with what we expect. So, And his launch angle is is higher than last year, which is surprising. Which, um, should, which should actually uh, result incre- in more home runs at some point. Because it's still it's – not, it's not one of those that are too high. It's actually in a good point. And his line – the fact, like I said, his fly balls are actually up as well. So, And he's barreling, and he has a higher, a higher, barrel, a higher barrel rate. Than last Again, year. you have more you're, – you're barreling the ball more you're you're hitting it harder <laughs> like all this you have a, a better exit velocity it should all add up to more power he's putting the ball his fly ball rates up it should add to more home runs and you're just not getting them so it's really weird yeah you would think the results would be there but uh just you got to be patient this is a guy that you drafted probably what within uh the first 10 rounds i would say um top 100 pick yeah, he's he's gonna get there. You just gotta be patient. He did have a an ankle injury that was kind of lingering him for a little bit, so it's possible that that's had some effect on him. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a guy that's produced um, very well the past two years, and um, yeah, I expect more of it. We'll see. Hopefully, it comes sooner than later. But yeah, the, the zero home runs so far are pretty surprising, but the numbers do not show that that is gonna continue. So exactly that's what and see and this is why i like to look at this stuff because it gives me reason for this like stuff like this gives me reason for optimism whereas like other players might not have this you know some indicators going in a positive direction and that's why it can be predictive of a possible uh like bad year or slump or you want to see you know what i mean but the fact that he has some of the numbers he has i like it it's it's encouraging yeah, and, and this is this is a guy that a lot of other owners, like we were saying, they're panicking about this guy. This guy is down to eighty six percent owned in leagues. I mean, people are are flat out dropping this guy. If that happens in your league, I mean, scoop him up. If you need to put him on the bench for a week or two until he figures things out, then so be it. But this guy um, is not somebody you, you should be dropping yet. I, I I can I agree with that. Ten team leagues might be a little different, more difficult because it's shallower. Like that's probably where you're getting your drops at. That's why he's still in the eighty percent mark range. But regardless, he's not a drop for me yet either. I'm not there yet with him. Speaking of struggling guys, my next guy, and I was on him this year, and he's actually kind of, he's actually banged up right now, is Starling Marte. Marte, he's off to an okay start. Eight runs, two home runs, nine RBIs, three steals, batting two oh three with an OBP of two forty seven and a slugging of three seventy seven. There's a lot of reason for optimism here with Marte. First off, we know what he is by now. He didn't just fall off a cliff. He's like, I think he's 31 years old. So he's on the wrong side of 30, but I don't think he's declining by any means. He has a career batting average of 284, career OBP of 339. Um, his expected batting average is 291 right now. His expected slugging is 484. He has a hard hit rate of 40.4%, which is, again, up. Everything his barrel rate is actually higher than last few years at eight point eight percent. All these indicators are suggesting better things are ahead, especially the expected batting average being almost ninety points higher. That's huge. And a guy like this, 
who who gets on base the way he does. I think even with this little minor setback of an injury, I think a twenty twenty year because of especially with the juice ball is definitely within reach. Even with even with this missed time, and when like twenty thirty, like I think that's what he did last year. Why not? I still think that's possible because he's still running, and I don't know, man. I just like I like, and he was a third round pick, and he's off to a slow start, and I think he's like right now. I wouldn't be surprised if you could flip Marte or Tim Anderson for him. I would do that in a heartbeat if you could do that, because people are just so people might be concerned about him right now. Yeah. I mean, I know you were a big Marte guy. I still am. Season. <laughs> still am, man. And I and there's a lot, like I said, a lot of these numbers are a lot of real, re, real good reasons for optimi- uh, for for me to believe in the fact that it's going to continue. So <laughs> you you don't have to. Not you, <laughs> that's, that's fine. But I know you were big on the uh, you like the stolen base opportunity with him. Well, that's again. I play. I, I'm. I play mostly like 90% Roto in category leagues, but it was his power speed combination. Cause he, he can get you 20 home runs, st- steal you 20 to 30. And, and he didn't sink you in batting average or OBP or any of that stuff. So he held value in five categories. So that's the big thing for me, but you can go ahead. Uh, who's your, who's your next guy before we f- jump into our final dual attack on a certain player. I think this is the final guy. No, I thought you had one more. No, did I miss one? Oops. <laughs> I did. Did Bryant and Castellanos. Oh, you already did? All right, sweet. I'm, listening, I'm losing my count. I forgot you did Bryant, I guess. Anyways, so we'll jump right in. Our fi- This final guy that we're saying buy low on, it, we both agree he's a buy low, but, we both, but one of us are a lot more skeptical than the other as far as really truly believing in him. But the opportunity, nonetheless, you can't ignore the opportunity to buy low, and that's Noah Syndergaard. I'm going to go ahead and preface this, though, with you can buy low on a number of pitchers right now. There's there's Nola. There's uh, Carrasco, after, especially after the injury scare. There's Sale. Exactly. Sale, Scherzer, DeGrom maybe because they're both hurt. I mean, there's just a lot going on right now at the top with the high-end pitchers. So, like I said, it was hard for me to choose, but we both kind of settled on Thor, and then I've then we just decided we'll just – both talk about him a little bit. So what do you have to say about Thor? Cause I'm a lot more optimistic than you are about him. Yeah. You're definitely a little bit more optimistic. I mean, obviously I'm a big Mets supporter um, as you guys know, but Syndergaard, he really, he's, he's frustrating, man. I'm tired of the six, seven inning outings with three, four earned runs, seven, eight strikeouts. I mean, this guy He's got dominant stuff, but he's not dominating his starts. Um, my feeling with him right now is that he's he's more of a thrower rather than a pitcher, and that's not what we need right now. We need Syndergaard to be a pitcher. Um, he's very frustrating. Obviously, the the injury concerns are always there, waiting for something to happen at any moment. I, as a Mets fan, I hope that that never does happen, but. When you're when you're throwing 90, 98 to one hundred on a consistent basis, it's something to be concerned about as well. Um, we we were doing a look at some of the metrics a little bit. Um, he's throwing more of his fastball and less of his sinker, and it seems to be that that could possibly have an effect as to why he might not be pitching as great right now. His sinker was was one of his best pitches last year, and that's something that needs to he needs to continue to throw. 
it's concerning for me right now as a Mets fan. This is not somebody that I'm overly optimistic about. To show my level of optimism, I, I, I traded him in one of my biggest dynasty leagues this past offseason. I was able to, to get Altuve for Syndergaard. And with a lot of the questions preseason with Altuve, with his injury concerns, um, I still felt like it was a move that needed to be made just because of the inconsistency with Syndergaard. Obviously, his start right now is definitely concerning. What do we got? So he's got a 5-9 ERA right now, a one two eight whip, one win, two losses. I mean, it's nothing to write home about. But like you said, a lot of pitchers right now are struggling. There's hopes that he can turn it around. But this is a guy, I think it's a great buy-low opportunity with the numbers that he's putting up so far. But this is not really a guy that I particularly would would want to go after because I'm not optimistic about the rest of the season for him. I know you feel differently, but I'm still under the assumption that he's he's more of a thrower rather than a pitcher and he's more concerned with with his high velo right now. And that's not what that's not what you want out of your guy. You need a pitcher. I don't know how he made your buy low list then if you're so op- uh, so pessimistic. <laughs> to be well, honest, I was I mean his just, numbers are obviously in the you, buy low trajectory right now. I understand, but you don't even see like you seem almost skeptical even buy low. What would you what would you be willing to give up for Thor right now? Uh, if I had to put you on the spot, I don't know if you want to look up some trades real quick. Maybe give you an idea. Yeah, let's take a look and see what kind of guys have been dealt for him. I mean, personally, right now, like guys that are off to a great start, like guys like Musgrove, Glassnow, Matthew Boyd. I mean, I, th- I think I think Glassnow would be something something people would give you a hard time on. I would still give Glassnow for Thor. I think I think that might be the minority thought because Glassnow has looked great. Yeah. He's he's looked fantastic. He's looked much better than Thor. Um, let's see. There's actually a lot of trades that have been made um, for Syndergaard so far. Let's see. A lot of these are are big name type of guys. Chris Bryan is on this list also. Like we talked, <laughs> shocker. Um, there's a trade Syndergaard for Conforto and Max Fried. I mean. It depends, obviously, like we've been saying, on the style of play. If you're in a points league, obviously starting pitching is very valuable. Um, I would probably still value Syndergaard pretty high in that type of league. But in Roto category leagues, maybe not nearly as much. If if K per nine is a category in, in, in the categories league, it's something I would consider. I would weigh it a little bit more heavily. Um I mean, some of these trades are ridiculous, man. Syndergaard yeah. for Ben Attendee. Syndergaard and Tim Anderson for Mookie Betts. I mean, it, it's just panic all over the place. <laughs> chaos. Chaos and anarchy. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate to you and tell you why you should be optimistic and why you should be excited to at the opportunity of getting them. Enlighten now, me. I picked Thor to be my NL Cy Young winner. I'm... Still pretty optimistic that it could happen, but it's gonna be it's gonna take a lot of work at this point because he has such a bad start. It would take a lot of dominant starts. He has string it's, together. It's funny that you say that because I picked Chris Sales, my AL Cy Young. Rough start for both of us, but continue. <laughs> but a few things in his favor. For one, his K per nine is a solid ten point five five. 
right now, which is up from like barely a K per inning last year. So that's good. His uh, walk rate is uh, only 2.17 per, uh, per nine. So that's not bad at all. It's his K per, it's his walk, walks per nine. Sorry, not walk rate. And that's down from last year. So his, his walks have come down. His Ks have gone up. Great. ERA, terrible. What you, was it 5.9? Something like that. His yeah, FIP, 5.9. His FIP, and again, this goes into – now you start jumping into his, a little bit of his, his advanced stats. His FIP is only 2.8. His XFIP is 3.29, and his Sarah is 3.55. All of which, even if you take the Sierra, which is the very worst as far as, like, you know, the highest number, that's still – Two, it's still two runs. Sorry, almost almost two and a half runs less. He has a, his strand rate is only 50 percent, fifty point three percent actually, which is absolutely terrible. I think league average is seventy to seventy five, and I think his career his career average is like seventy to seventy five as well. So, and his bat up against is is ridiculously high. These are just absurd. Like, <laughs> and right now. His uh, I looked up right now. His four seam and sinker are both struggling mightily. He has a batting average against on both of them. One is three thirty three on the four seamer. The other one, his sinker is being hit at three uh, at a tune of three sixty four. He's getting rocked. But his changeup and slider are absolutely amazing at one six at a batting average one sixty against and two hundred seven against for the slider. So he obviously. He's just having trouble with his with his hard stuff, his hard throwing stuff. He's probably not getting. I'm guessing he's not getting enough movement on those pitches. But well, like I said before, I mean, he's throwing more of the four seamer this year than the sinker. Well, the, the reverse the, of last year. Well, the four seamer is actually doing better than the sinker this year. <laughs> uh, maybe he doesn't. Have, he must not have. I don't think he has a feel for. He must not have a feel for the sinker right now. That's the only thing I can, I can imagine looking at looking at these outcomes for it. And the sinker not only is it have a higher batting average. It has a slugging percentage almost 100 points higher than the four-seamer. Yeah. So. That's been a major problem with his. Uh, his, his, home runs, his home runs per nine are up a little bit as well. So, But, again, if you look at all the indicators as far as FIP and XFIP and Sierra, if, you're into the, if you believe in that stuff, a lot of it's usually pretty solid indicators of what to expect. It tell, it's telling you he's in for really good regression. And, like again, his strand rate should come down. Bad bit against should come down. All these things are in great indicators suggesting that there's a lot of positive regression coming his way as soon as he figures it out. Because I'm sure he'll figure it out sooner than later because he is – I mean, it's still Thor at the end of the day. It's still Syndergaard. He's still – I think he's still a, an ace pitcher, man. I'm not, ready, I'm not ready to give up at all. Yeah, I mean, I just want to say that I'm not ready to give up on him as well. I mean, I, he's got all the talent in the world. But my thing is this is, this is year four right now. He needs he needs to start figuring it out. Um, we can't be doing mid three, high three ERA. I mean, he needs to he needs to drop it down. He's got dominant stuff. He needs to pitch like a dominant pitcher. And it's starting to get a little concerning that we're in year four here and we're not seeing the dominant Syndergaard that we have all been waiting for the past two years. Even if he's not dominant, he'll be at the very least an SP2 this year for fantasy purposes. And right now, he could probably cost you – I think you could probably get him for an SP2 type, like a Tyone or something. You you know what I mean? Like, it wouldn't surprise me if you can take Tyone and flip him for Syndergaard. I mean, SP2, that's great. But a lot of teams, they were kind of 
going with the strategy of waiting. Oh, he was, and he's a starting pitcher one for a lot of teams. He is for a lot of my teams, and I'm not selling him. I'm very, I'm still optimistic about him. And I, I honestly, I literally, my my worry to steal something from Adam Azer because they use the worryometer on CBS. My worry, my worryometer is like a two, and that's like that's like high for me. It's pretty much a one or non-existent. Like <laughs> I'm very optimistic. I have no problem with him. I'm very comfortable. Uh, having them and I'm very comfortable going to get them I don't know why I think a lot of these indicators are the re- is at least my reasoning why I think there's just a lot of better days ahead of them and a lot of these starts you watch them he gets it's usually one blow up inning maybe one and a half it's really weird or yeah, he'll usually pit late it's usually or, the seventh and Mickey Calloway decides to leave him in because he is not the best manager in terms of managing his staff and his bullpen and he gets blown up uh, I think it was the Twins game this year. He pitched a great game through six, and then in the seventh inning, he should have he should have went to the pen right away. And he decides to bring Syndergaard out, and he gives up a few runs. Ended up giving up four earned runs, I think, at night. Yep, yep. He lost the quality start and the win that. Yep. And you guys have a and the Mets have a pen, so I don't. I, again, I think it's been and most of it, I think one start or. Honestly, one of his starts, he gave up runs early, like in the third or fifth inning, something like that. But otherwise, it's been in the sixth and seventh inning. Or I think he came out for the – I'm not sure if he came out for the eighth and one of them. I think he came out for the seventh. I think it's one I'm thinking of, too, is the Twins game. Regardless, yeah. he's just been – he's one of those things that maybe the third time through the lineup, he needs to just not do that anymore. Maybe he – so maybe he wouldn't be a true ace as far as uh, as far as like real life goes, but he'd be definitely a solid fantasy ace if he – pitched two times through the lineup and got you all those wins that you can get from him and such. Yeah. I would take that. I mean, you were saying he's your SP one in a lot of leagues. He really is. I'm viewing him now as more of an SP two. Nope. I'm not there yet. All right. We shall see, but just know that as a Mets fan, I am highly concerned about this. So you're, you were talking about the worry, worryometer before. Yeah. I where, still where, from where would you put him? One or two? I told you, I told you like a two at most. And that's like just trying to almost make you make you feel like you're justified in your thought process. I'm like, I'm not concerned at all. Like it's a, it's really a zero for me. Two would be maybe if I woke up, maybe, maybe after one more bad, if he has another bad start, it might be a two, but right now it's like a zero or a one for me, honestly. Interesting. If I had to put a number on it, I would say 4.5. <laughs> and, but that's still pretty – it's still on the side of optimism. So that's why you're saying you're – we, at the end of the day, we both agree to buy low. Don't overpay. Don't go offering a Bueller form or something like that, which Bueller hasn't looked better lately. But, like, right now, would you actually take Sale or Thor? I think I would still take Sale. I think I'm with you. Um, would you take Glass now or Cindergard? I would still – I would take Glass now. Uh, sorry, Cindergard. But that would be – but uh, – it would be, it would be, too, but that would be very tough for me. Barrios or Thor? <laughs> I have Corbin. a lot more stock in Barrios. Corbin, Corbin or Thor? I think those are the type of guys you have to start thinking about. Oh, God. I'd probably still say Thor. Yeah. What about, what about Carrasco or Thor? Um, I actually I, I got asked that question the other day. And I picked Thor, but then I thought twice because I'm still. But I think I'm still going to go Thor. Crosco, you have to remember he has that division, so it's really beneficial to him. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. That that's the, that's the biggest thing for me. And he has a higher. He's better. He's better at striking people out. 
That's the thing. I'm just looking at some names. Like if you can, if I could take Paxton right now, he's he seems to have having a decent year. Nothing special. But if I could take Paxton and get Thor for Paxton, I would do that in a heartbeat. You know who would have been a really good sell high? I didn't think about it. I'll just drop his name real quick. Is is uh, Paddock? Yeah, he looked good today. He looked great today. But people have to remember he's on the innings limit. He's not gonna. He's gonna be yeah. taken out. He's not gonna be starting soon. Or not, shouldn't say soon, but probably by you know final month or two of the season, he might not be starting. He might be in the bullpen by then, um, because he's on the innings limit. And they have, and he's looked amazing. And Paddock might be a type of name you can get, you can use to shop and get a Thor. I would sell Paddock right now, because right now his value is through the roof, and you could probably package him and really go out there and say, get. Him. Yeah, you could package Paddock with another player off to a hot start, and I think you could definitely get a guy like Thor. And so, again, this is I'm sorry. No, I didn't mean to interrupt, but this doesn't mean again, this doesn't mean that we don't like these guys if we're on our sell high. It means you gotta take advantage of the market price essentially. You want to take advantage of the fact that like as good as Paddock has been and as good as I think he's going to continue to be, everybody has a price. And if you could take somebody you pick up off the waiver wire or draft at the end of your drafts towards the end of draft season before he was named a starter, you could take him and you can go out and Try to get a Thor, or package him to get a Thor, or package him to get a sale. You you take advantage of that and you do that because at the end of the day, sale is going to be up at the end of the season. And Paddock, he's not, especially if they, if they actually hold him true to that innings limit, which I, I expect them to do that honestly. Yeah. Two other names: Verlander or Noah. I would take Verlander. I would take Verlander. Marquez. Uh, a Thor. I'd still take. I'd still take Thor over him. I'm not a Marquez guy, man. I can't. I can't ever believe in uh, the Rocky uh, in a pitcher that has Colorado as their home park. Yeah, the Coors Field effect. I think. I think Marquez is going to be top 15 this year. I have risen on my view of him, top 15, top 20 for sure. But I just don't know if I could put him above Thor. I think Thor. Again, it goes back to. I just. I have again. I'm not worried about Thor at all. But those were good names. Verlander. How about this Kluber or Thor? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a rough start too. I, I think I would probably still go Kluber. I don't know, actually. I don't know, man. Kluber, I think his. We were talking it, before the division too. The division that's, on that division. That's the big thing for me. But I believe Kluber's uh, velocity's down again, and whenever I see velocity go down, I know they have to really be good at pinpointing their accuracy. And I don't know. I'm looking at it. I think it'd be more tough for him. But um, I don't know his velocity. No, see, I don't know why people are saying that. I'm looking at his velocity right now. His velocity is right in line with last year. I think, yeah, I'm looking at velocity right now. It's pretty much in line with last year. It's not down. I don't know what people are talking about. I've heard other analysts talking about his velocity being down. Unless Brooks Baseball is wrong. I'm looking at velocity right now. It's last year in March, it was 92.61. This year in March, it was 92.37. April, 92.48. Right now, 92.37 again. Yeah, it's the same. Sinker, the same. Sinker might be down one mile per hour. Excuse me. But but everything else is literally in line. I would I would take Kluber over Thor, with that yep. being said. I thought it was I thought again, I didn't really double check that, but the velocity, yeah, I would still take Kluber over Thor. So I, I take that back. So Kluber over <laughs> Thor, Verlander over Thor, but Thor still I still take Syndergaard over uh, Marquez. One more. What about Strasbourg? Oh, Strasburg is under under both of them. Under Strasburg's under. I would take Marquez and Thor over Strasburg. Interesting. I would too. 
But I think I think his name carries a lot of weight still. He's been pitching better, but there's always yes. the injury concern with him as well. And that's not a concern. It's a matter of when it's going to happen. It's a win, not if with him. But anyways, we're, we're, we're running a little long-winded now. <laughs> we can – Yeah, we both agree he's a good buy-low target. But Level. optimistically for the rest of the season, I think Mike views him more as SP1. I'm kind of more in the SP2 range with a little bit more concern. Yes, I'm definitely more optimistic, as you can see. And I do view him still as SP1. I think he's going to figure it out sooner than later. And if he doesn't, I'm sure really, so, man. I'm, really do. you're, you're hoping more from a fan point. I'm hoping more from a fantasy point because I, I have him in a ton of spots. And I had him, like, paired with Clevenger for, like, a lot of my one-two combos this year. And that's hurting. <laughs> but regardless, my, my level of optimism is a lot more. And I really enjoyed the Thor talk because Thor uh, – Syndergaard has been a very, very hot topic as well. I've gotten a lot of questions about him. So I think I, – I hope that that helped people get an idea of how we view them and what we think going forward. And regardless, my our bylaws – what were your bylaws again? The, the so two. my bylaws were Chris Bryant, Nick Castellanos, and then we both bought low on, on Syndergaard. Yeah, we're both, we're both saying bylaw on Syndergaard. And my two uh, bylaws were Martin Rizzo as well as Thor. So – that's going to do it, guys. We always appreciate you uh, listening. If you guys could, please subscribe and leave a comment and review on the podcast. It's, it helps us grow. It helps, us, helps us become more visible on the, um, on the various platforms that we're available on. So if you could do that for us, we'd greatly appreciate it. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter. I'm Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. That's Zach Braff. You can follow him on Twitter at Braff Z. You can find our podcast on Twitter as well at bases loaded pod and we're also on instagram also at base loaded pod so a little long-winded of an exit tonight but with that said guys we always thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon